Oh man, these off-air combos are so hilarious. <laughs> we should really those. record them. Yeah, we gotta sell those. We're They're better than bloopers. I think the, the the is the cheat code like audiobook or something coming soon. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shh. Yes. You guys may catch some of the bloopers on there. Can we have like a bloopers reel? Definitely we can have need a bloopers reel. That'd be we'll fun. Definitely need the bloopers reel. Yeah, I like that shirt, bro. Oh yeah, thank you, man. Very nice. Good. Colombia. 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 I love it. <laughs> okay. Shout out to Pablo. My, I got my smile in Colombia. Free Pablo, man. In Cali. So I have a question for you guys today. So um, it does not escape me that you're both married with kids. How difficult is that in this industry? Is my, this an industry conducive to having a relationship? No. Nah. This, 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 this business is not relationship friendly. Yeah. Success is not relationship friendly. I so I, it doesn't matter what business you're in. Success is not relationship friendly because, um, yes, everybody talks about the balance. And, and, and I know you have because you have kids and everything else. So you can chime in on this more than I can. I have kids and baby mamas. Mobile around. But, um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, you have to give your attention. And I think we talked about this in another episode. Nipsey said it best. If, if I'm focusing on survival, I can't focus on success. And my benefit is that my wife helps me take care of the survival so that I could focus on the success. Right. And I think if I don't have that balance, there'd be no way that I'd be able to do or be as efficient at what I is that I do. Right. So it definitely not success is not relationship. Related. I feel like in order for me to marry the person I married to Tanisha, I love you. Um, I love you too. She had, we we had to have a very strong communication uh, guidelines with each other. And still sometimes there are errors in that because uh, in our line of work, things just like to pop the fuck up. Right. Um, right. I love both of your wives, by the way. And yeah, she loves you like, too. Back, yeah. You have great taste in women. I hit the lottery. Woman. You know what I mean? I, 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 I love that. You know what I mean? I found somebody that accepts me for who I am. And that embraces my children and my kid embrace my kids embrace. Correct. And I think That's that important. was super important because that gave me peace of mind. Again, I'm not focusing on survival. I have the, and she's not jealous of my time with my business. One of the main reasons that success becomes mm. a problem in a relationship is because time. your spouse becomes jealous of the time. Not that you spend away from them because they understand it's the sacrifice. Yes. But it's everything that your job or your career then becomes. It becomes your your wife. It becomes your everything yeah, because agreed. what you're thinking about, even when you shouldn't be thinking about it, when you wake up in the morning, you're trying to solve that problem. And the deeper you get into the solution, the more you drift away. Let me piggyback yeah. on that. Uh, I think also my kids, because I have a wide variety. I got 18, about to be 14, about to be 11, and 5. Wow. So you made him a slave, boy. Your dick the made you a slave, brother. <laughs> my five-year-old doesn't necessarily understand that daddy has to work a lot. So she tends to get a little sad, and that bothers me sometimes. I think we, we've spoken we've about, about this, this yeah. uh, privately, but I have no problem being transparent about it. Like my five-year-old, and she's a girl, and she hits me with the puppy eyes when I say, hey, babe, daddy got to go to work. But I have to go to work. I can't. Right. I can't do a rain check on specific things. Sometimes I could take a day off, but there's sometimes I can't take a day off right. and I can't not do certain things. Right. And it bothers me sometimes. And it sometimes it weighs on me to where um, if I do travel out of town for work, I'll bring my family with me. Yeah. Um, I just smart. have to try to figure out how to, you know, alter travel plans and alter how I do things. Like I have to make sure I do a date night 
Because if I don't do a date night, it's going to be a problem. My wife and is very vocal. Happen. If you don't plan it, it just doesn't happen naturally. You're going to fill up your time. I'm going to fill up my time with work because I love my and job. Get neglected, yeah. right? I I have, you know, I, I play Monday morning quarterback with myself every night because you know my kids come in there and if I'm if I'm focusing on something and it's like they come in and they ask me a question and I may have snapped or whatever it is, I'm always like, man, what did I do? I got to spend more time with my kids. Yeah, I got to wake up in the morning and do this. So it's like. You know, I'm, I'm understanding that I have to have that balance. Sometimes forcing, your to, forcing yourself not to think about something makes you think about it even more because Correct. you're remembering why you don't want to think about it. And that's even worse than not thinking about it. It's like, I, have, I can't think about this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in this business, when you have to go out on the road and you have to live out of a suitcase and you have to live out of hotels and it's check in and check out and pack your bag and this, that, and the third, it becomes that much more trying on you because the comforts that you have from home or those nuances that you that, that that may not necessarily impact you as much when you're not at your comfort level, it's really, really, really detrimental to your mental health. And Kingpin, you said something. We were uh, You had got us breakfast um, one in the beginning stages, and you said, once I'm into something, I'm locked in, and that's how we are with our jobs. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm so locked in, and it requires an, a, lar- a large amount of focus. And really, sometimes 100%. It takes you away from uh, personal family things. And sometimes, you know, um, no disrespect to other people who have different types of jobs, but a corporate job, you clock in, you clock out. Right. We don't clock out. No. We have an emotional connection to our job. We go to bed and we wake up and we're back in it. Right. It's kind of like. Because we can lose what we have in a minute. Fast. In a minute. Yeah. We can become boop, Just like that. Because it's a, I feel like what we said a couple episodes ago too. It's a wheel. Like you have to continue to roll the wheel, and sometimes that requires so much focus that mm. it can take you away. Attention wise, you'll forget something that they think that you know your partner may say that's important to them. You'll forget it. Right. You'll forget it. An important date. You'll forget this. You'll forget that. You'll forget that you'll have that you maybe had date night on this particular date. That someone's paying me $5,000 to be at. I'm be like, hey, babe, we're going to have to reschedule this date. Right. And, she, and then she's like, well, that's not more important. So now we're having a debate about what's important. And values. Right. And, you know. I seen, I, I, I seen the role that my mother played in my father's life. And I seen how nothing that my, and he'll tell you this, nothing that my father accomplished would have been possible without the support or direction or guidance or love of my mother. So understanding that is that I'm, I'm also a firm believer. I love that, that you saw that. I didn't see that behind going. beside every good man is a great woman. Agreed. Right. And I, I also believe that a woman can only go as far. A, a man can only go as far as his woman will help him go. And again, because of the fact that that balance, you know, what I mean, the scale, if you will, you know, if if I'm out here hunting and doing what I got to do to be able to, so that we can s- succeed and survive, then I have to be comfortable that she's. You know, that the family is comfortable and not only like I don't just want you to just watch them to make sure they don't burn the house down, but, you know, instill in them family values and teach them respect and, you know, address their hygiene, address their chores, address their studying habits and, you know, correct them when they make a mistake. It's as, as important for me. I, I, I guess my situation is different, though, man, because my kids are amazing mm. and yeah, everything's my kids tailored. don't give me a hard time at all. My kids ask me about work. You know, do we got any records dropping today? Funniest thing in the world is when my, you know, my five-year-old walks up to me. He's like, are we dropping a record today? And I'm like, 
motherfucker. As a matter of fact, we are. Right. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it, it matters to me because when, when I'm at the computer, they understand what I'm doing. They know that I'm not playing a game. They know that I'm not joking. If they see me on my phone, chances are they know that I'm doing something productive. Right. So it's always, excuse me, dad. or and, and, and that really matters to me a lot because the stresses, when I was my kid's age, I was a piece of shit. Really? Yes. I was wow. bad. I was on my way to prison. I was bad. Wow. And the fact that I don't have those problems, my, my kids don't run away from home. Blessing. They're not on yeah. drugs. They're not into it. So I'm, I'm just thankful. And for anybody that's out there that's going with any of those problems, I was that kid. I was the runaway. I was the criminal. I was the drug addict. I was all of those things. And it changed when I wanted it to change. Right. And it's not going to change when you want them to change. Right. It's going to change when, when, when they want it to change for themselves. So. Uh, um, and you found something better. Yeah. Yeah. A lot better. Yeah. I, I, I also add, uh, so I have four kids. Two of them don't like the attention that uh, who their dad is. But uh, the other two love it. Oh, wow. Like little Rari, he tells everybody he's my little dad. Rari. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and my little five-year-old, she tells everybody, I think she wants to do exactly what I'm doing, but I'll leave that to That's interesting. For a later so it's the day. younger two that the younger love, two. and it's the older two that. So I'm, I'm assuming it may change. I don't know. But I think Lil, Lil Rari literally is like to my hip. He so tries I don't, to be wow. hip to the older two, so they're not going to accept it. The younger two, he's still their superhero. Right. Correct. And right. I, the older I'm, two, that we, means. And we've had the conversation. conversation too. Yeah. His oldest was eight when he got on the radio. Yeah, facts. So he was already, you okay. know, you were already first, second grade. Like, oh, you're okay. to be hip, old ass. Take your old square ass over there. And <laughs> yeah. the little ones were like, my dad is the coolest thing in the world. The crazy right. thing is, though, like, to all their friends, I'm like, cool dad. Super cool. Yes. But to cool them, dad. it's like, right, It's whatever. eye roll. It was like, all right, <laughs> That's life, though. Yeah, That's, you know, so it's, it it's, why, it it's why most people that you grew up with going to high school with have a hard time supporting you. Facts. Because they don't see you as Rari. They just see you as, you know, Sean. Interesting. I have another question for y'all today, too. So how do you feel about rappers that are getting into scholarly endeavors? Like um, Lupe Fiasco is going to teach at MIT. I love it. And Nas. Bun B did a class um, one time. Bun B, yes. IDK <sighs> did something at Harvard, Flocka which was really cool. just got his uh, professor's degree. Yeah, his doctor his, Yeah, hum humanitarian professor. I love Dr. it. Dr. Waka. I love it. I think, I think I there needs too. to be more of it. I, I actually... And, and, Shameless plug for this because it's one of the things that we're helping him on. But we had talked with Waka from going to, to do something for the kids and called it the Book Squad mm. to where we rewarded kids for reading. And, and we had a, a literacy program that we would travel around and incorporate into his market visits. So while he's out here visiting these clubs and these radio stations, doing something to encourage the kids. Because, you know, at the end of the day, what you know, knowledge is power only when applied. Yes. We talked about this. And what, you're, what you have between your ears is worth more than what's in your pockets or in your bank account. Yes, and I think um, these these uh, artists that are getting into the teacher role, I think it's so important. I agree, and I think it's also great that they're choosing school. I mean, they should choose all universities, not just you know the 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 uh, Ivy League, right? But I love because it's giving kids at Harvard and kids at MIT that wouldn't normally have access to a rapper in most cases right. access. And it get, it makes it less scary and less different. It's like, oh, he likes salads. I like salads. He drinks Diet Coke. I drink Diet Coke. Like, it becomes normal. It's no longer like, oh, you're this guy who's up on stage and you're untouchable. It mm -hmm. makes it real. Yeah, it makes it real. And I think um, the two most important things to me in the world on the planet is teachers and yes. giving back and paying it forward. Yes. So when rappers do that, it, you have no idea how, how it affects a young person 
looking to you because they look to you for just your music, but when they can look to you for motivation to be a better person, that affects not only the person that it's affecting, but their peers as well. It gives them right. a barometer. It gives them something that they have to measure up to. Right. I think it's essential. You know what I mean? Again, we've talked about this I in the past, it. and we're going to say it. You know, charity, community service is the work that you pay, that you pay for your space on earth. And Agreed. if you're not trying to educate and empower... I think how dope it would have been for somebody in the 70s if Elvis would have gone on and to teach a class at a university. How amazing would that have been? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or if the Beatles would have walked in and taught a music class at right. you know New York University or something. I always right. wonder what it would be like if we still had Tupac and Biggie. How would how would they be as older men? Would they, you know, be a lot more um what's that word uh um dang, what's that word? I think Tupac and Biggie did exactly what they were supposed to do. Man, I just you they know they changed the world. I just want to think two I guys just, that did the something in a, one of the most youngest genres of music. Like, well, like for example, Changed would they it. be more philanthropic? Philanthropic, yes. And Pac would have been as an older, yeah, of course, yes, as an older version of themselves. Yes. When I was shopping his deal that was going to come after Death Row, he had community service programs inside of the business plan. He had inside of the label that we were building. He had daycare. For the for the staff, mm -hmm. so that they wouldn't have to worry about their kids, you know, at home with nanny or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. or in a daycare. Could they have done so more? Yes. absolutely. And and by stories like that, it's what's forcing the new breed of artists to step up and and surpass that. Yes. So, mm -hmm. you know, two guys that may have changed, you know, for for their immediate surrounding and their friends changed everybody's lives. Cool, but for what they were supposed to do for the culture, so much so that 15, 20 years later, we're still debating over who had a bigger impact, over right. whose music was more influential. Right. And even though our kids may not get a chance to listen to it at its height, they get to enjoy it when we enjoy it. Yeah. And that's going to make them feel nostalgic to it. So they may not know what a Biggie song is, but they know how we felt when we heard a Biggie song. Exactly. Agreed. And that's going to give them a feeling too. And we also have to understand that they died at 25. Like, I'm a completely different person than I was at 25. And I'm sure you guys are as yeah. well. You know, I, when, when little Key died last week, and I heard he was 24, yeah. I was devastated. Because if I had died at 24, there would be no rap coalition. I wouldn't have been in the music industry. I didn't come into music till I was 30. So it, it, it's like these young guys are dying before their greatness even is able Agreed. to come in and, and show itself. And to me, that's just crazy. That's deep. That's deep. It's heartbreaking. He's got yeah. kids. If nothing else, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, forget the music and forget the fans and forget everybody Kids, else. Kids, family, people He's love got him. people that he was getting ready to lead into the Correct. next phase of their lives. And now they don't have that leadership, so that hurts. Correct. Change our lives, put the guns down. There we go. Yeah. All right. Do you question? Have a question? I, I got I a don't. question. Good. Dear Wendy, Kingpin, and Ferrari, what are performance royalties? How do I, as an independent artist, track everyone playing my music globally or nationally? It's so much to learn and handle alone because I can't afford to pay someone. Confused, please help. ASCAP, BMI, CSAC. Go to each of their websites, read as much as you can. They're performing rights organizations. They collect the money for you. Overseas, you need an administrator. Um, for my clients, we use Song Trust. They do a great job. They don't take any ownership. They take a split. I think it's 85-15. They keep 15%. They, they pass along 85%. But they're able to go and capture international performance royalties that you may not be able to capture. Do you want to explain what PROs are? What performance royalties are? 
Oh, there we go. Come on with it. So I'm, I'm performance being royalties. Now myself. Oh, okay, great. I'm sorry, didn't mean to put you on the spot. Performance <laughs> royalties are the royalties that you collect when a radio station. Um, the mu- uh, when they mu- when they play video, your movies. music or yes that's that's sync royalties. Okay. Um, it's radio. It's live performance. So when you get up on stage and you perform, that club is paying into ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC a fee so that that fee can be split amongst all of the performers mm. that perform each year. You get paid. I think it's still twice a year. It might be four times a year. But I know for sure um, the money comes about three months after it's collected. Mm -hmm. So the money's a little slow to come in. It can take nine months to a year for you to start receiving your performance royalties. But they will pay you. And you have to register. Absolutely. They don't just come find you. And think of how many artists have a song on the radio. Independent artists. And their song's not And their song went on. And they went to Houston uh, Summer Bash, Summer Jam. And they did New York Summer Bash. And they did Atlanta's Birthday Bash. But because they don't have their business together, they don't know that they can get paid for performing that record in front of 20,000 right. screaming fans. The radio station isn't going to pay you, clown. You got to pay yourself. Exactly. Mm. I love your explanation. I know a little Great bit question. about it. Mm. A little mm. bit. You do. Yeah, yeah, I know you do because we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. It's essential. Yeah. It's you know understanding that if you want to collect your royalties from a particular venue, you have to print out the form and you have to fill out the form. Right. Um, and it's understanding that when you start touring, a real tour is going to require a promoter to make an offer. And they're going to have to tell you how many people their building holds and what they're going to charge for tickets and all of that stuff. That's the touring agency is going to deal with that. I want to call, I got 30 grand and I want to flip it. And that's not a, that you, you making money. I'm not mad at you, but you're not running a touring agency or none of that stuff. When you start mm-hmm. talking about the real deal, Holyfield, mm-hmm. Hey, so-and-so I got a venue that holds 1500 people. I want money long. I got 20,000 for, her. I'm going to be selling. They're going to tell you yes or no. Oh, we can't do it because we're already booked. Uh, 40 days away from there, we got to wait 60 days because of our contractual agreement. Mm. That's why a lot of times uh, you won't hear of like um, touring, for example. For those of you guys who don't know and you guys are setting up touring, be mindful. Because if you use a venue that has an exclusive uh, deal with Ticketmaster, Mm. you won't be able to sell your tickets on any other platform but Ticketmaster. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, and this is not a jab at Ticketmaster, this is a fact, in most cases, the processing fee will be double the amount of the ticket. Mm. So if you get a ticket for $15, the total price will be $31. You paid $16 in service fees for a $15 ticket. And because that venue has exclusivity with Ticketmaster, you will be, and they will be in void of the violation of their contract or breach of contract if they sell any of their tickets at any other venue. So, and knowing, it takes them a while to get paid. Yes, it takes they're a, while a little to get slow to, so to pay. Understanding the venue, understanding your opportunity, understanding your options. Um, another good thing to do is that if you're an artist and you're performing and you're getting booked and you're doing open mics or you're doing the coast to coast showcase or you're doing uh, the radio run, is to get as much venue information for every venue that you've touched, get a flyer made for every time you're performing, and upload those and register those with Bands in Town and Songkick and Facebook events. Very important, those three, because those three are going to start to leave a digital footprint for your touring so that when touring agencies are looking for support artists in particular markets, they're going to look for the artists that have, A, the most fans in that market, so if you're on bands in town and you've got 800 fans in New York City, chances are you're going to get booked for a tour in New York City to open up for so-and-so because you've got 800 people that track you on a touring website. Hmm. Excellent advice. Advantage, man. Write that down. Use it hmm. to your advantage. Cheat code. Cheat code. Cheat code.